Welcome to episode 36. This is season 4. We are all one heart and one spirit, and together we are creating a library of stories. I am your host Hamida, and I want to bring you stories, because stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. Listeners, our topic for today is very pertinent. In today's times, not only are we fighting COVID as a health pandemic, but we are also facing large-scale unemployment. And so for those of you who have experienced furloughs and layoffs, and also for those of you who have jobs but are feeling stuck in it and want to move outwards to other industries to feel the challenge, or for those of you who have jobs but are wanting to move upwards and get that big raise, our guest for today is here to talk about all of this and to give you some tips on how to achieve them as well. Everybody, let's welcome Claudia Miller. Hello, Claudia. Welcome to Sharing Life Lessons. Thank you for agreeing to be a guest on the show. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Claudia. Can you please start us off by telling us a bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Claudia Miller, and I have a company called Claudia T. Miller Career Coaching. I immigrated from Guatemala and came here when I was four, first one in my family to graduate from high school, and now I have a master's degree. In my previous uh, career, I used to manage Medicaid health plans, and I was also a financial advisor, and I've been across many multiple industries, and now I'm a career coach helping driven professionals land the jobs they want while getting amazing salary increases and even up to $50,000 more than what they were previously making. So that's what I get to do now. It's helping people, especially during what's happening right now, is how to land those jobs and how to make jumps into their career, land with their wherever the companies they want to be at, and then while getting paid what they're worth. That is wonderful, Claudia. I'm going to take your link to your webpage or whatever that you have and put it in the show notes just so that if the listeners can use your services, they know how to reach you. So tell us your story. And I know it starts all the way when you were four. So let's hear it, please. Yeah, of course. I'm from Guatemala and my family actually came to the U.S. on vacation. So back in the day when you can travel. (laughs) And we came here to visit a family member. And this is our first time in the U.S. So we came and everything was great. I think we were staying here for a week or two. And all of a sudden, I just started having bruises all over my body. And my family was a little bit, they were just weirded out. It's like, what's happening. Just to give an overview, it turns out I have a rare blood illness. So there's technically no cure for it. And at the time specifically, definitely wasn't even anything remotely outside, especially in the US to even manage that illness. And unfortunately, my family, because well, they were looking out for my health and here in the US, there was medicine to kind of manage it. They had to give up their businesses in Guatemala. So my dad was a professional singer over there and my mom had her own beauty salon. So they gave that up and we had a home and everything. We ended up staying here with family and figuring out like, how long is this going to take? Can this disappear? Or along with language barriers, there was just a lot of things happening. And at the time, my parents just were in a new country, Mm -hmm. didn't know the language. So my mom started working at a salon and my dad tried to find any job that he can get, which at the time was like as a factory worker. Mm-hmm. So growing up, really, I had aspirations that my parents are making like six, seven an hour. So if I'm making like 12 to 15 an hour, I've made it like I've hit it big. And that was what was my surroundings, my 
like, you know, like I said, a family member that we had here and then our neighborhood. And again, it was like low income. So that just became my reality. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that the only way that we can do it because we didn't have those networking connections. We didn't have family members. I'm actually the first one that ended up graduating from high school and not holding a master's degree. But even that path that I followed, it was new to my family. Nobody really knew, especially in the U.S., it's a very different education system than Guatemala. So very different from everywhere, I think. Yes. And although in Guatemala, in certain countries there, they learn things way more advanced and then vice versa for certain um, subjects. But again, um, this was a whole new territory. (laughs) And I went to school and I realized that that was the only way that I can aspire to be that 15, 16 an hour type of role job where I can be self-sufficient and have my own car and have my own home. (laughs) Thankfully, I, I went to school and during my school year, especially in high school, I was in and out of the hospital multiple times. And I knew that I needed to do really well in school and this will not be an excuse. So I had my friends uh, drop off homework at the hospital, even while I was in surgery beforehand and afterwards, and they will pick up my homework and drop off the new one. And that's how it'd be for a few weeks, making sure that I didn't stay behind. I was already one of the top, I think I was top student number three or four. And during my surgery, I kind of dropped into student number nine and 10. That still still, sounds like incredible discipline. Yes, (laughs) it was a lot. And of course, I, I had to help with my family and support my sisters as well while my family was working. So I, I kind of had to be like that second parent to my sisters and my siblings. So it was just a lot of things happening, but I'm very fortunate and blessed. I got to learn a lot of things. I became an adult earlier than I expected. Mm -hmm. And throughout there, I stayed disciplined. Thankfully, I was able to incorporate that lessons to my sisters as well, which now they've also graduated from college. But once I started realizing, once I got to college is I, I follow Business Insider and Forbes and Entrepreneur. And I kept hearing these stories, you know, this person got a $30,000 salary increase and she's been handpicked by the CEO, or this person came from making 60 to now making over six figures, earning over 250,000. And I just asked myself, are these people really different from me? And can I do it? Or is this just an impossible dream? Because as an adult now or in college, I'm realizing $40,000, $50,000 is not going to be enough to get you that mansion and that mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. Everything that I thought that I can get at that point in time. But my horizons also expanded. And I just started following different people, talking about mindset work and how to think, how to break out that bubble that you're in and really aspire to be more. And then I started reaching out to these people featured in Business Insider. And they were like, you know what? I first one in my family to go to college or my parents are working, you know, started a small business. So it's nothing really made them special. It wasn't like they came from wealthy family or they came from abundant connections or that they went to Harvard. These were just everyday normal people, but they did things differently than what the norm did. Therefore they got them abnormal results. And I went almost on a mission to figure out like, how many books can I read and things that are really going to explode and expand my mind and help me become a better version of myself. And I, I mean, I read a lot. I invest a lot in learning and through there, then at the time I was 
making maybe $32,000. And eventually I started learning like salary negotiation and how to really be able to do that for myself that what I've learned from other people. And within a year or two, I applied for a job that I probably knew 20, 30%. And they're actually looking for someone with a bachelor's in nursing. And I did not have that. Uh I was just finishing up uh, my master's and I was able to get a $30,000 salary increase for a job that in paper would have said, Claudia, you're not qualified. You're not even close to it. But I was prepared for it. I networked through it that I was able to get the job and be able to be successful in it and be able to get that $30,000 increase. And then I was able to do that a few more times after that and break into six figures. And what I've learned is a lot of the things are at your disposal and everything is reachable. It's just learning about how to get there, who to get there, and almost in a way of learning the rules and learning how to break them because that's how you stand out from a crowded field, whether it's job searching or being in business or getting publicity. It's how do you stand out from the masses? Yeah, but that's a very practical message. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are others out there who are listening, who probably are feeling or are aspiring to do what you've done already. So I'm curious, you said that there was the, that job that required the bachelor's in nursing, but you didn't have that. And you probably had about 30% of the qualifications that they required. And you got the job and it was 30,000 additional to your um, salary. But when you went in, did you not feel insufficient in your knowledge and in your skills? So another thing that I've learned is 80% of the work happens before you even walk into a room or before you even apply. And that happens a lot, not only in business, but in career. So I learned about the job. I reached out to my network. I mean, if I didn't have a network, I still reached out to them. I've noticed that people are always happy to help as long as you're very intentional and prepared. It don't sound like you're trying to waste their time Mm -hmm. and you just ask questions. They're applying for this role. Do you happen to work with someone in your previous field? And some of them were nurses and they said, yes, of course I worked with them. Here's what they typically do. Here's what the great ones do. Here's some of the resources they use a lot. And I just went in and did research, watched videos, read multiple articles. They referred me to someone that actually worked in a department. And she's like, here's how our hiring process is it's because they try to be equal opportunity. Make sure you answer every question, be prepared. If there's a two-part question and you only answer one, they can't give you the full points. And then they catalog this. And based on how many points everyone gives you, whoever has the highest gets the job offer. So I had to be prepared. And they also told me, hey, typically for this, you will need a nursing degree. And I'm like, well, why is that? Can you tell me a little bit more? And then I learned from it. So that way, when I even walked into the room, I already was prepared with like, here's what others have said. Here's my plan that I would think based on what I know from people that I've talked with in your department will be next steps and will be very fruitful. Here are best practices that we can implement and doesn't require a big budget and can make big impact. And again, it's almost anticipating those objections and bringing it out. It's addressing the elephant in the room. Hey, I know you're looking for someone in a nursing degree, but based on what we just discussed, when you're telling me more about the role, it seems like your goal is X, Y, and Z. And actually, because I don't have a nursing degree, I can give that outside perspective that you're looking to serve. So all of a sudden is, oh, you're actually right. We probably don't need someone with a nursing degree because we want the patient experience. And I'm in healthcare, so... I can give you the patient perspective as someone in a nursing 
background or degree, they are so immersed into the industry. They know clinical terms where I don't know clinical terms and most of your patients won't, but it's just positioning it and creating like a business case. But again, almost 80, 90% of the work was done before I even applied or walked in for an interview. I had practiced it so much. I was already tired of hearing my responses, but I knew it verbatim that when you practice to memory and then you internalize it, now you can add that personality into it and you're not worried about like, what was I supposed to say? Now it becomes more of a, I know what to say, but let me add a little personality and build rapport and get to know that person across from me. Thank you for that insight, Claudia, because I heard you say that you really should do a lot of research. And then when you're going in, you should have practiced it so much that you sound extremely knowledgeable and confident. And you're saying address the elephant in the room right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So thank you. Tell us more. What happened after you went through four or five cycles of getting these $30,000, $50,000 increases? Yeah. So that's when I had friends reaching out to me, asking me for advice. Like, hey, Claudia, I know you did that. Can you do that for me? And Mm -hmm. honestly, I was like, I don't know. Let's see. I worked with friends and of course, different industries. My friends are in finance, sales, healthcare, marketing, and everything in between. So I started working with them and they were getting five, 10, 15, 20. I even had a client that had up to a hundred thousand dollars in salary increase with bonus commission and stock options. So that's when I said, okay, well, let me work with people different age ranges. Cause now I'm in probably in my mid to late twenties. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to work with people, maybe thirties, forties, and fifties to see is does my methodology still work? And I worked with them. And I, of course I was probably charging a fraction of the cost of what I charge now, but it was more to say, Hey, can I help you? And if my techniques don't work, then you have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they do work, there's a potential gain that you can get from it. And again, they were getting amazing salary increases or I didn't know I, I had to do this much. I mean, typically when people apply, they'll look at maybe the, the website, maybe they'll go to Glassdoor and read some reviews. And then that's it. <laughs> when I worked with my clients and I did it myself, it's It takes about anywhere between six to 10 hours, but not just only for one job. It's just for the entire job search and preparing you for it. And they were able to get amazing results, break into six figures, break into management, land jobs that probably they thought it would have taken them five to 10 years. And they were able to do it within six to nine months. And they were able to do that and be successful in their work, in their jobs, in their new positions, because that's important. Yeah, because also the way that I teach and how I teach it is not just get the job and that's it. There's so much more to it. Well, if you're a sole contributor, you probably want to be in that role for two, maximum three years. After that, you should be moving to the next level. And if your company doesn't want to move you up, you go elsewhere and look for that. That's how people typically say, well, doesn't that make you a job hopper? Yes. Top talent, people that work at Google and Facebook and Apple, they probably spend anywhere between one to two years and they go to the next one because they get poached or get pulled in by other companies and they don't want to stay stagnant either. One company has certain systems, processes, or softwares that they work at, but every company at our world around us is changing. So if you go to Google, you'll be doing something else. But when I bring you to Apple, all of a sudden you're learning a different processes, a different methodology. So if you're a sole contributor, you should only be in your role for two to three years. And then your company should promote you. And if they don't, that's okay. You go elsewhere and you keep doing that. And 
that's also how you're able to make uh, big salary increases as well. Because if you stay internally, you probably get maybe two, three, maximum 5% salary increases the next year. But when you go to a different company after two, three years, that's when you can make 15, 20, 30, even 40K salary increases. And the more you do it, the more exposure you have to different industries and companies. Yeah. And what you're saying about people saying, doesn't that make me a job hopper? That is the traditional way of looking at things. I've been in the company of people in institutions where they've been there for like 20 years, 30 years. Yeah. And they are also in senior management, but things are changing very fast. And that's what you're saying, that things are changing and you just need to change with changing times. Yeah. And even there are some companies and there's actually some employees that I've worked with. And like I said, they are very driven professionals. They'll say, I don't want to work for that company because, or I don't want to work for this boss. They've been at the company for 15, 20 years that they're so stuck in their ways that that's why they're falling behind. That's why a lot of companies are getting ahead because they're younger or they're thrive or they're open to possibilities and different way of doing things more efficiently and effective. When you come from different companies, you can say, well, at this company, we did this. We thought this was very helpful and it helped us execute on A, B, and C. Now, how I would do things differently, it's like this. Or yeah, the problems you're having, we actually didn't have in my previous company because we were able to find solutions. And this is how we avoided those situations. All of a sudden you're becoming a resource and an expert, even without you even realizing it. And you have so much value to bring. But again, that comes from making sure that you stay on track. So like I said, so contributors should stay at a job, maybe two, maybe three years. And you can also be very strategic around it. If you want to become chief marketing officer eventually, well, then do you know what companies do you want to be CMO? Do you want to be for a startup, a midsize, a Fortune 500? Are you trying to be a CMO for a finance or maybe fintech or in sales? What does that look like? And you don't know? Well, the best way is to go to different companies and see what do they do? What is effective? What metrics are they measuring for each industry? And what has been most successful? And then afterwards, when the interview, they ask you, well, I've seen that you worked at different companies. Yeah, it was on purpose and very strategic. So now I can bring you all these expert influencers where I have you know, experience across five different industries. And I know what works and doesn't work for the most part, but I also know how to create new solutions because I have a methodology, not necessarily an ingrained solution, but I know how to solve problems in many different scenarios. Mm -hmm. I came across a very interesting term very recently, which I'd never seen before. But as soon as I read that term, it's it just yelled out to me that that is who I am. And it is expert generalist. Ah, yeah. Because like you've advised, I've been in the financial industry for 20 years, but in those 20 years, I've had worked for five different companies. So I've not stuck around for more than four years. If I hit the fifth year, it's like the company's lucky that I've hit the fifth year. (laughs) (laughs) And you're right. I have this breadth of knowledge. I have this expertise or skill in being able to solve a wide variety of problems. Mm -hmm. So... I've started using the term expert generalist in my cover letters. Oh, great. Yeah. Like I said, you really might even worked at companies, let's just say that wasn't really great, or they just had a lot of failed projects. 
that's expertise in itself. I know what not to do, or I know why it didn't work. And here's why, again, like the good, the bad, and every project or merger, everything that is almost like ammunition for you. That's new different skill sets. But yeah, expert generalist is a really great way to become very well aware of different skill sets of different companies. But just because you're a generalist doesn't mean that you don't have expertise to bring, Correct. In, which you do. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So once I started testing out with different types of levels of experience, but also across industries, I keep getting the same results over and over again. And it's something that can be applicable. Like I said, you don't need to have a network. You don't need to come from a wealthy family. You don't need to have graduated from like a top university. I didn't. And a lot of my clients didn't, but they were still able to be successful, land the jobs they wanted, plus getting amazing salary increases that, like I said, they never thought they can get with just these applicable strategies that I give them and I walk them through. They've been very successful in their careers. And once I started noticing that, that's when I started working more with clients and that was very intentional. And even with my business, like I said, I, 80% of the work had to be done before I even came in or even talk to people because they can say, who are you and why should I care? And how do I know you can help me? And I started really focusing on like how to sharpen my skills. How do I get better testimonials? How can I get them better results? And because of it too, I started promoting myself and I invested and learned on how to get publicized. So afterwards I was getting featured in Business Insider. They actually did a four article feature on me and it had over a million views, I think in less than two weeks, but it was about like how I made my $30,000 salary increase. And then afterwards I got featured in Forbes and I was brought in MSNBC, but again, that same methodology of like, I put in a lot of that work and because of it, I was able to be very successful. And now I quit my job. What was the end of July? And right now I'm on track on having over a six figure business now doing it full time and even making more than I was making before. But again, it always comes to the point of always investing in yourself and being able to do that work that you need to in order to be successful. Business Insider actually nominated me as one of the top 23 most innovative career coaches of 2020 because I want to make sure I stay in reach of my clients and I'm able to deliver those results even during a pandemic. That's wonderful, Claudia. Congratulations, first of all, for leaving your job. Not very many people can do that. So you're one of the lucky few who actually managed to leave their job and start their own business. Just because you mentioned the pandemic, I want to ask, have things changed in the way you advise clients or what you tell them because of the pandemic? Yes. So I feel like the pandemic almost heightened everything that any processes, it's almost magnified. And here's what I mean. Pre-COVID, for every job you saw out there, on average, there's 250 applicants. So you're competing with 249 other people. Now, because there's a high unemployment rate or people are being furloughed and laid off or people just want to pivot into different industries or they're just not feeling very confident in their company and they want to go somewhere before they start the layoffs and furloughs, there's just been an increase. So before it used to be 250 applicants, now it's anywhere between 700 to 1200 applicants for the same role. So Mm -hmm. applying and then crossing your fingers that you get called back for an interview is no longer good enough. That wasn't very successful even pre-COVID, but definitely not anymore. And even getting past the ATS system or applicant tracking system, which is a computer algorithm that scans your resume for keywords and 
even knowing how to do that isn't enough. Um, you need to be armed with different strategies. You need to start building that network. All the job postings you see out there on LinkedIn, Indeed, Career Builder, Monster, mm-hmm. that's only about 20 to 25% of the job market. There's over 80% of jobs are nowhere posted in any job board. So how do you tap into that market that no one really seems to have access to? Again, it just comes to changing your techniques, knowing the rules and how to break them. Everyone is going to do this. Here's the step and here's that kind of workflow. You look for a job online, you apply, maybe you submit a cover letter and then you just cross your fingers. So you learn the rules and learn how you can break them. So how can I stand out from a pile of 1200 resumes? Okay, now I have the perfect keywords. Maybe I'm one of the high scoring, but that's not good enough. I'm competing now with multiple people with different types of experience, maybe even more. So how do you stand out and position you and help you stand out from the competition? So it's even more critical now to be able to be very strategic and do things differently in the job market in order to get you those results. And I had a client who was out of work for six months and she wanted to break into six figures and she was having a hard time. Once I started working with her, she actually had a $48,000 salary increase. So she was making what is it? 92, I think. And Mm -hmm. once we were done, she was making around 138,000. That's without bonus and commission added to it, which could be potentially another 10 to 20,000. That's great. This is during a pandemic, nothing like pre COVID. This was actually like about a month and a half or so. And it's doable. It's just, again, being able to how to stand out from the masses. Claudia, that brings us to the next segment of this episode, being that you have so much experience and you've helped so many people. Could you talk to us about the life lessons that you've learned along the way that the listeners can apply to their strategy of job hunting? Yeah. So I I feel like I have two life lessons that I've applied to professionally, personally, and even in my business. And it's one, it's the quote, do what others won't to achieve what others can't. And that means, and of course, always taking care of yourself mentally and self-care, especially during a pandemic. A lot of us are dealing with a lot of things that are very, very mentally um, challenging or exhausting, but what can I do to help me differentiate? Or what can I do now to invest in myself? And my second life lesson will be 80% of the work happens before you even walk into the room. So are you, when you say you're prepared, are you 80% prepared and are you ready to ball? I don't expect mediocrity. I expect superiority. So how can I achieve it with what I've done right now? I really am interested in understanding what you mean by 80% of the job is already done before you go in for an interview. Can you expand on that a bit more? Yeah, of course. A person reached out to me. It was a friend that I met and it was her husband. And it was saying more of, hey, you know what? I want to negotiate my salary. I'm waiting for the job offer. That's usually already too late. Mm. Um, Typically when it talks about salary negotiation, let's just say when I was back working as as a one sole contributor, I would start practicing three to four months in advance and even almost 12 months because typically you don't remember what you did three weeks ago, let alone, are you going to remember what you did 10 months ago? So what I would do is almost have like a one sheeter and every one or two to three weeks, or every time there was a big project, I would write down the name of the project, who was involved, what were some of the challenges, what research did we use? How are we measuring success and how did it do after we executed the project? And then did it maintain it? Was that good enough to maintain? And if so, I kept a log of all of this. So by the time it came to my performance review, 
I walked my boss through, hey, here's everything I've done 12 months. Here's some emails where I've gotten praise from the CEO, the chief medical officer, from patients. Here's how much we've improved. And here's what I plan for, you know, this upcoming year. Here's the strategies. Here's all the trainings that I provided to all 300 of current employees. And all of a sudden, it's just like building, again, that business case. And of course, I always let them know too, like, hey, I'm going to be discussing compensation as well, based on what I've achieved this past 12 months. Well, even beforehand, I would say, how, how is my success going to be measured? Can you please tell me the metrics? And that way I have 12 months to prepare. Mm-hmm. And then I go back and say, I remember this conversation while well, I achieved X, Y, and Z. Here's additional stuff that I did. Here's what I plan on doing. And then based on what the market is paying. Now it is hard, I will admit, if you're currently in your current job, getting a 30, 40K increase is on the harder side. It's not impossible, but it'll be definitely like 10, 15K more, or it could be a change in position title. But those are the conversations I had and I have my clients have. So like I said, 80% of the work is done. I started this or I started with my clients almost 12 months beforehand before they need to start having this conversation. Because even if it's two months, you're still not going to remember eight, nine, 10 months ago, what projects, what were some of the challenges, uh, lessons learned, and how would you do this differently for these upcoming projects if you had to do it all over again? Claudia, could you also expand on this concept for when you are going into an interview for a new job and you're not in your current job, whatever you said right now was because you're in your current job. Correct. So if you were, if I was to start job searching, well, one thing is I need to have my resume done. I need to have a cover letter, whether you like a cover letter or not, it's definitely needed. And I will start practicing my interview. Everyone knows the common interview questions. Tell me about yourself. Why would you be a great fit? What is your weakness? What is your strength? What would others say about you? Tell me about a time you had a difficult client or customer or patient. These are just basic normal questions you're going to get asked whether you like it or not for the most part. So then I tell my clients, you need to start practicing. You also need to start wordsmithing what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. You can't be talking too much that you ramble on and then you lose them. You can't be too short that they still have questions. You need to understand where do you thrive in? Where do you work best? What are some of your skill sets? What are some of the projects that you've worked on that will highlight you? I also have my clients start a praise folder in their personal email. So every time everyone gives you kudos or praise or says, great job, or thanks to you, we were able to finish the project on time, save all those emails into your personal. So when you leave that company, you still have those emails. So when they say, what would others say about you? How would others describe you? You can usually say, actually, let me show you. Here's an email from the chief marketing officer. Here's an email from one of our top clients. Here's an email from the director of finance. Here's what they said. Thank you so much because I, were, I was able to deliver our project on time when historically they never have had this before. That is um, such a great tip. Thank you. Yeah. And that's like I said, it's just working through and there's so much you have to do. While others will just say, well, you know what, I'm just going to update my resume and then apply. And then they apply to 100. I've had clients that said, I've been job searching for over a year. This is pre-COVID and I still can't find a job. I'm like, okay, well, tell me what you have been doing and I'll tell you why you haven't gotten the job. Because there's a lot of work that goes into it. Again, if you want that big change in your job title, break into management, get noticed and promoted 
work at a top company like Google, Amazon, or Facebook, but these tech giant companies, it's possible. You just have to do things differently and it's going to take a little bit more time and work, but you get to reap from it at the end. I have so many questions to ask because of everything that you said, but you're running out of time. So Claudia, thank you so much for coming to Sharing Life Lessons and giving us all these very practical tools for both job hunting and for how you can succeed in your jobs. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to help and let me know uh, if you need anything. And of course, your listeners are always more than welcome to send me an email as well with any of their questions. Wonderful. Thank you, Claudia. Listeners, as always, here is a summary of the excellent and practical tips that Claudia gave to us for job hunting, for salary negotiations, or for getting that promotion or the big race that you have been wanting. One, use your network. And if you don't have one, then do start building one. Two, 80% of your effort will be expended even before you get into the interview room by having to do research on the company and the job and the salary that you can negotiate, but also by thoroughly practicing your answers for the interview, etc. And third, do what others want to achieve, but what others can't, which means doing everything needed to differentiate and stand out among the masses. This brings us to the end of this episode. I will bring you another episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be happy, be safe, and be well.